highest of heights to the depths of the sea. The man had faith in Jesus and did what Jesus asked him to do. He, he responded in faith. And the man didn't argue with Jesus or offer rebuttals. He didn't force Jesus to follow the science. Jesus, follow the science for heaven's sakes. I don't even have the, the ligaments in my feet are not even equipped to stand. Follow the science. Have you heard that word lately? He is the God of science. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Jesus told the man to do what he could not do. Being paralyzed, it was impossible for him to raise or to take up his bed mat or to walk. At this moment, Jesus challenged the man to believe him for the impossible. It's easy to imagine that the man's first reaction was, I can't do that. Why even try? Yet something wonderful prompted the man to say, If this man tells me to do it, I will try. Jesus guided the man towards a response of faith. That's why we as believers in Christ must always be tuned into his commands in our life because he may be guiding us towards a response of faith. Now here's Pastor Rob. Let's reached out and asked God and said, Lord, help me, please. When's the last time you were in a malady and you fasted and prayed? And you said, God, if you don't speak to me, I'm going to die emotionally, maybe even physically. Lord, I am at a place that I've never thought I would be. I need you, Jesus. Would you please help me? Because, see, when man, and you know this true to yourself, when man comes to the end of himself, he exhausts all of his resources and his natural thinking. That's the only time that he looks up. After we've exhausted all of our own resources... After all of our thinking is, is, is run into a dead end, then we finally look up. Well, why don't you go to God first? Wouldn't you rather have God help you? Sometimes we can be looking at man and only considering the natural and forget that God can do anything and that he is the God of the supernatural as well. Think about it. If he's able to speak everything into existence when there was nothing, Isn't he able to do anything that you might be stricken with? He's able. But do you believe it? And I have seen this happen to people. I've heard about it and I've seen it myself. I've seen God do wonderful things. Unfortunately, man's propensity is to rely on broken cisterns, on helps that don't really offer help. What does it say in Jeremiah? Jeremiah 
Jeremiah said, my people, speaking to Israel before they would go into captivity, my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, number one, the fountain of living waters, and number two, they've hewn themselves cisterns. A cistern is a very specific thing, and it has a purpose. And the purpose is to hold water. When it would rain, they would capture the water in there, and that would be a a very functional purpose for a cistern. But God is saying, my people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and instead they've hewn for themselves cisterns that can hold no water. It can hold no water. We go to everything else but God. But notice, this man, in our text today, he cries out to Jesus. He cries out to him. In Psalm 60, it says, Give... Give us help from trouble, for the help of man is useless. Sometimes the help of man is very useless. It doesn't mean that we can't be helpful. But ideally, most importantly, the help of man is useless. And what about Psalm 118? It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Because no one, as this man is sitting at the pool, no one had the compassion, no one had the love to help this man. Two men could have grabbed this man and say, you know what, I'm not in as bad a predicament as this guy is. Let's grab him and take him down there. And his faith would have made him whole. Who cares about the stirring of the water? I don't think it was the angel or the supposed angel stirring the water that got the job done. I think it was the faith of the individual saying, I believe that God can heal me. They could have all jumped in that pool that day and they could have come away healed. They could have. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. In Numbers 11, when Israel was going through the wilderness, you remember there came a point where Moses had told, had told the Lord that, you know, the people are many, and, we, you know, how, am I, how are we going to feed this many people? We have to slaughter several thousands of sheep and cattle. Where's our water going to come from? It was a very natural question, very natural need. And the Lord said to Moses, has the Lord's arm been shortened? Is, not, is, this, is his arm shortened that he can't do this? Now you shall see whether what I say will happen to you or not. God is able. Do you believe that? Even today in 2021, is God able? He is. He's able. And he loves you. And he loves this man. But cry out to him. Notice in our text, verse 8, Jesus said to him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. Notice the command of God. This is a command. Here he is. I mean, think of the the guts (laughs) to be able to do that, to look at a lame man who's been there for 38 years. Every day, sitting there, nobody helps him. And Jesus comes and says, Rise, and take up your bed and walk. And Jesus probably reached on his hand for the guy. And then he had a choice to make. Do I really want to be made well? I kind of enjoy the pity that I get here. People throw me money. He chose. And the Lord convicted him. And you notice Jesus wasn't concerned about what day it was either. It was the Sabbath. And if you know what that means... What that means is we're listening to a very cheerful song in a major key, and all of a sudden it gets really slow and it turns to minor. (laughs) He did this on the Sabbath. Oh, no. 
going to make some people mad. And immediately the man was made holy, took up his bed, he walked, and that day was the Sabbath. Dum, da, dum, dum. The man had faith in Jesus and did what Jesus asked him to do. He, he responded in faith. And the man didn't argue with Jesus or offer rebuttals. He didn't force Jesus to follow the science. Jesus, follow the science for heaven's sakes. I don't even have the, the ligaments in my feet are not even equipped to stand. Follow the science. Have you heard that word lately? He is the God of science. Science is a study of what God has already done. <laughs> right? And he can speak to the man's ligaments and his bones and say, Don't worry, gentlemen. Your ligaments are whole. I just made them whole while we were sitting here. Rise. Follow the science, Jesus. Follow the science. Dr. Fauci said, I can't stand. <laughs> ah, but you stand. And he reaches and he grabs his hand and he pulls him up. And can you imagine the scuttle that that caused? 38 years. Notice the man didn't wait until he went to the doctors and received three months' supply of some new pill. This healing was immediate. He took up his bed and walked. And these things happen today. I recall a, 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 an event that happened a number of years ago. And Pastor, I wasn't in Israel with Pastor Jeff at this time, but we went, or I'm sorry, he went with the, with the group from the Finger Lakes. Same group we're going to go with next year. And while they were in Gethsemane, one of the pastors was sharing. And it wasn't even about healing. It wasn't about healing. And there was a woman who was crippled who was on that tour. She had, I believe it was a cane or, 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 or um, uh, what do they call those things? Uh, crutches. She, had, she was on crutches. Try getting around in Israel on crutches. Yeah, she did. People helped her. But she's sitting there in the Garden of Gethsemane. She had a legitimate foot issue. She couldn't, she couldn't walk on her feet. And while the Bible study is going on, had nothing to do with healing at all, she started to make a squeal. And this was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And she goes, I think the Lord just touched me. I think the Lord just touched me. And she literally got up and was walking around, and everyone was just kind of... She was joyful. She was crying. She was walking around and, and it was an amazing thing. Her crutches were gone. The Lord touched her on the spot. We hear about these things. God can do these things. Don't argue with God. Do what he says. Remember in, in the Second Kings chapter 5, the commander of the Syria's army, his name was Naaman and he had leprosy and, he, and leprosy was, nobody was ever cured from leprosy except for Miriam back in the book of Exodus. And that was God's doing. So now this, this pagan Gentile gets leprosy. And his, his wife's maid comes to him and says, I know someone who can heal you. Elisha down in in Samaria, in Israel. He can help you. And remember what happened. He goes down to uh, Elisha's house, and Elisha comes, and he brings all this gold, this big entourage. He brings all of these rewards that he's going to give to the prophet if he can cure him of his leprosy. Big entourage of people, all this gold and silver and all this stuff, and Elisha doesn't even come out. 
of his house. He just sends a servant. He says, go tell him to wash uh, seven times in the Jordan and uh, he'll be healed. I could have done that back home, Naaman says. We got better streams there. We got better rivers, cleaner rivers. And you want me to go down into this Jordan River and wash myself some? Man, I'm out of here. I wasted my time. And then somebody came to him and says, you know what? If he would have asked you to do something difficult, wouldn't you have done it? He said, okay, I'll go. And he did. And he was healed. (laughs) Just do what God says. If he tells you to do it. Notice it was the Sabbath day when this happened. This miraculous, joyful event, not only of the man, but for everyone who witnessed it. Now, what was supposed to be a joyous occasion now becomes something that is entangled in scandal and suspicion and now reproach. And the Jews, therefore, verse 10, back in our text, said to the man who was cured, It's the Sabbath. Can I use my own voice? It's the Sabbath. It's not lawful for you to carry your bed. You know, all these men who look like they've been sucking on lemons, walking around with their canes and their little, you can't do this on the Sabbath. Not only were they going to ridicule Jesus for this, but they were going to ridicule this man. Hasn't he had enough? (laughs) Honestly, hasn't he had enough? Where's the love? Where's the compassion? And unfortunately, religion and man's rituals, I believe, frustrate God. Yes, religion and man's traditions. Their regulations sometimes are beyond ridiculous. In Israel, they have these Shabbat elevators. Have you heard about these? And again, I don't mean to pick on the Jews, but this is just a little ridiculous. They are so concerned about doing work on the Sabbath day, they actually have. In 2001, the Israeli Knesset passed a special Shabbat elevator. And basically, it's, uh, it, it was supposed to go into all public buildings, residential buildings, and they would install a control mechanism for Shabbat in the elevator. So on Saturday, or Friday from sundown till Saturday to sundown, they would turn this mode on. And, and this is a picture of what the elevator would, you know, looks like. The, the elevator would stop automatically at every floor allowing people to step in and without without having to press any buttons. Otherwise, Jewish law prohibits observers from using an elevator on the Shabbat in the usual manner because pressing the button to operate the elevator closes a circuit, an electric circuit, which is one of the activities prohibited on Shabbat and may also indirectly lead to writing of the new floor number in the display. Wouldn't you say it's a little crazy? You know, and we Gentiles, we, we do crazy things too, but this is just taking it to the nth degree. It just doesn't make sense. In Matthew chapter 12, remember Jesus, as he heals this man on the Sabbath, he's very much aware of what the day was. It says in Matthew 12, it says, At that time Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. And you remember what happened. His disciples were hungry. They grabbed the, the, the tops of the, of the grain. They ate. When the Pharisees saw it, they said, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath. Oh, for heaven's sakes. Take them to the stocks. And hook, them up to the, hook them up to the diehard battery. What have they done? Horrible things. But he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry? 
how he went in and he ate the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, and for those with him. Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? Yet I say to you that in this place there is one greater than the temple. But if you had known what this means, I desire, again, notice, mercy and not sacrifice. You would have not condoned or condemned the the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Is it wrong to do good on the Sabbath? No, it's the best time to do good on the Sabbath. In another gospel, in Mark's gospel, in chapter 2, verse 27, Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. We get things so confused. We, we take the regulations and we're like, I've got to follow this to the nth degree or God won't love me. I've got to do this in order to be accepted by God and God's no, no, I, I love you. You're accepted already. You're accepted. If you're in Christ, guess what? You've been accepted. Hallelujah. Are you glad? You don't have to earn it. That's works. Revel in the grace of it. Rest in the grace of it. Going on in Matthew 12, in in verse 9, he says, Now when they had departed from there, he went into their synagogue, and there was a man who had a withered hand, and they asked him, saying, It's not lawful, or is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? You can almost see them with their shawls. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? I do. I have this vision of these guys just kind of really too starched. And maybe even talking in an English accent. It's not lawful for you to do this on the Sabbath. That they might accuse him. And then he said to them, What man is there among you if he had one sheep and it fell into a pit on the Sabbath? Wouldn't you lay hold of it and lift it out? How much more value is this man than a sheep? Therefore it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and it was restored as whole as the other. And the Pharisees went out notice. They plotted against him how they might destroy him. They just couldn't stand the thought of him doing this. So they said to him, it's not lawful for you to carry your bed. And he answered back in our text, he says, He who made me well said to me, take up your bed and walk. And what a double slap in the face for these Pharisees, because they weren't able to heal. And now Jesus is telling them what to do, violating their traditions. Then he asked them, verse 12, Who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? And remember, Jesus has always been kind to people. He's always been very harsh with the religious leaders who are supposed to be leading them into righteousness, leading them in the right way. He was hard on them, but he was very kind and compassionate to those who didn't know him, who didn't know Christ, who didn't know the way of salvation. He was very kind. And honestly, he was even kind to the Pharisees at times. But there comes a point where he let them have it, and they deserved it. Verse 13, but the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that that place. This is so different from today, because when people get healed today, the pastor or the prophet or the traveling itinerant preacher, he gets the glory. They make sure they have the cameras right on him. So what was it like when you healed him? Well, I felt this moving and a shaking in my bones. And I reached out and I touched him and he fell backward. And then he's on television, and it's all about him. Is it about him, or is it about Jesus? I think it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. It must always be 
about Jesus. Notice in verse 14, Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. The clear implication here is that this malady that this man had was brought about because of some issue of sin in his life. And we know that in Romans, the wages of sin is death. That's what you get. That's what you receive for a wage because of your sin. It's death. Certainly death physically and even death spiritually if it's not repented of. In Galatians 6 verse 7 it says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever man, whatever man sows, he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will reap life after everlasting. I love that. Because sin does have consequences, doesn't it? And this man... In John 9, which we're going to get to, actually. I got ahead of myself. But God allows sickness. He allows trials in our life for various purposes, some for the glory of God. Some of these things happen to us because of sin in our life. Some may happen to us, these sicknesses, trials may uh, happen to us that we might learn patience and humility or just to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And this is certainly not a long list. This is a very short list, but let's just look at a few of these. God allows sickness or trials for the glory of God. We know that in John chapter 11, remember when Jesus rose his friend from the grave, Lazarus, what does it say? It says that when Jesus um, heard that his friend was sick and that he died, Jesus heard that and he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. That whole thing with Lazarus was designed. Jesus could have spoke miles away and said, Lazarus, be healed, and he would not have died. But remember, Jesus waited a day or two before he went. And why did he do it? Because he's such a mean God? No, he did it because he had a plan and a purpose for the glory of God. And they would all see it. And who would they glorify? God. That's worth it. I think if Lazarus could go back and do it all over again, he would say, Lord, you should have let me, you should have let me stay even a few more days dead and then bring me back to life. And let's do this thing really big. Right? Because he knew he was part of what was going to bring many to faith and also confirm others in their sin. It has a, there's a response to it, right? In John chapter 9, you remember there was a man born blind. And it says that as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned? There was an, an expectation that because he was born blind, there must have been sin in his life. Be careful about that, folks. As we encounter sickness and, and, and different things, we, we, we can run to that. And this is what the disciples did. There's nothing new under the sun. When a friend of yours becomes ill and you've known there's been issues in their life, deep in your heart you're thinking, I know why God struck him. Because of that issue that he's got, that she has. Can't our hearts be so rotten sometimes? We can think, oh, it's because of this. It's because he's not being faithful to his wife. That's why the Lord struck him. And boy, he deserves it. I'd like to strike him too. Right? We get those attitudes, unfortunately. That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.